Because we need to develop a lifestyle where we don't disconnect just because it's winter and it's difficult or heavy or cold or summer because we're busy and on holiday. We want to have the Lord our life all the time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Great stuff. I'm glad to have Mike. Where's Mike and Kara? God bless you. I want you to stand up right now. He's so great. Come on, there's Mike and Kara down there. Come on, stand up now. We're not just in love him on. Come on, go over a few of you. Give him a big hug. Tell him we're just awesome. We're glad to see you back. Come on, somebody go over there quickly. Give him a big hug. Tell him we're glad to have him back. Come on, put your over. Slow lot you are. Come on, quick, 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 quick. Great to have you back. Hey, come on. Praise the Lord. When it's someone's job, it's no one's job. Is that right? Yeah, we need to learn how to be really welcoming of people. Be glad to see people and glad to make them so welcome. Amen. Because the kingdom of God is a welcoming kingdom. You know that? God welcomes people. He welcomes people. Jesus was never too busy for people. Never got so busy he couldn't make room for people in his life. He welcomed them. They felt welcomed. How many know you can feel when you're welcomed? And you feel when you're tolerated, when you're an interruption. Is that right? Are people an interruption in your life or do you welcome them into your life? Think about that one. See, we're called as kingdom representatives to welcome people into our life. Because we're representing a kingdom and it's our goal and mission in life to impact those around us. And you never impact anyone you never first welcomed. Think about that. And God wants us to welcome people. Love always welcomes people. Makes them really welcome. Hey, why don't you practice welcoming people? Eyes light up and you're really glad to see them. Hey, you can always tell when people are glad to see you. Some have got smiley faces that light up. Others you wonder whether there's anyone inside. Hasn't been anyone living there for a long time. <laughs> come on now, we need to learn how to welcome people, make them really welcome. We have visitors come on Sundays, we need to get really excited when they come. Huh? And when a visitor comes, it means someone has been drawn by the Holy Spirit to become part of the church. By They may be saved, they may not be saved, but God is drawing them. And when God is drawing someone, we need to get on God's page. Hello, God's business is people. If you can see it and touch it, it's going to pass away. But God is interested in people because they won't pass away. They may die, but they're going to eternity. Spirit beings, eternal being. So we're going to welcome people, make people very, very welcome. And when people come in and visiting, let's really turn it on and make them real welcome. Jump up, give them a hug. I mean, where did on earth did you get that conservative thing where you don't hug or welcome people, huh? <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's a Kiwi culture, but it's not the kingdom culture. Kingdom culture is to make everyone welcome. God welcomes people, celebrates people. He's glad to see sinners and people who are broken. 
especially glad to see them. Come on, think about this. Think about this. You're just glad to see your friends. Oh, hey, there's, oh, there's Anna. She's smiling. I'll say hello to her. And there's someone over here. Who is that? I don't know. I don't know. Come on, welcome the people you don't know. Hey, make it a lifestyle of making people welcome. Hey, it's good. Smile, look them in the eyes. Yeah, good to see you here. Glad to have you here. So we can all do that. Hey? And that means each one does that. Hey? So that means turn to some and tell them, you can do that. You can do that. Okay, now what we're going to do is give you a chance to do it. This is what I want you to do. I want you to get up out of your seat right now and go and make someone feel real welcome. Tell them you are glad to see them. That's better. Oh, that's much better. Oh, it's great to see you here. That's more like it. That's fantastic. Oh. That's it. Now we can't stop it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's great. Amen. Some of you even might go so far as taking someone home for lunch. That would be even, even better still, wouldn't it? Eh? Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I want us to open our Bible at Matthew chapter 8. We're going to pick up where we were last week. Cross over to the other side. How many people felt God challenging them last week? Amen. We're in the beginning of the year, so uh, right now we're in a season of fasting. And shortly, in about a week's time, I want to get the whole church into fasting. And I want to believe God together that there would be a response, you know, that God will move. I like, love to fast and pray at the beginning of the year. gets us on God's page, gets us sharp for what God wants to do in the coming year. So I'm into that. Man, that's fantastic. We're going to get fasting. We're going to do a three-week period of fasting and prayers at church. We have three corporate prayer meetings on Tuesday nights. They're coming up in a couple of weeks' time. So if you just mentally prepare, and uh, it doesn't mean you have to do the whole three weeks. I'm not saying that. Just do what you can, but do something as a part of that every week. Something perhaps every day. Something perhaps uh, someone told me, well, Bill told me. Oh, Bill told me. God had been speaking to him about fasting. I said, oh, Bill, fasting. Sure, I've never been able to fast before. You know what he said? He said, I'm gonna, God spoke to me to give up the potatoes. <laughs> oh, give up the potatoes. Tell someone next you need to give up the potatoes. <laughs> Bill's leading the way. <laughs> someone else, it might be give up the chocolate. <laughs> oh, not that. I'd rather give up the potatoes. There's always something that you can uh, let go of to focus on building and intensifying your relationship with the Lord. Dear God, Bill's got potatoes there. Don't show them over here and tempt him. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. You all happy enjoying the presence of God? Great stuff, isn't it, eh? Oh, there's half of them are happy. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's have a look at Matthew chapter 8. Okay, we're ready. Here it says, Now Jesus, when he saw the great multitude, verse 18, about him, gave commandment to depart to the other side. Uh, Jesus saw the multitude. So he saw the crowd of people, and he gave a command. Didn't give a suggestion, told the disciples, leave the crowd, move over the other side. I want to just pick up where we were last week. Uh, just uh, We're going to move on. I want to share some things which I think are prophetic for this year, and uh, therefore 
They will uh, be put in uh, general terms, but they're specific enough that by the end of the year, you'll know whether this happened for you or not. Okay, the other side is the purpose and call of God. It's the things God wants us to move into. And so Jesus always had vision for things in the future, not to just live in the past victories, the past experiences, the comfort zone. God doesn't want us to stay where we were last year, wants us to move on. So for you, crossing to the other side will mean something different to the person next to you. Crossing the other side means that you decide you're not going to stay where you are. You're going to begin to move forward in what God has for you. You're going to embrace change, growth, enlargement. The other side is us moving forward personally and corporately. So to go over the other side doesn't mean you leave the place. Going over the other side means you leave the position you've camped at and felt comfortable at and say, God, I'm going to grow this year. I'm going to take up challenges I've never taken up before. It's an enlargement. Don't settle. In Genesis chapter 11:31, there was a man called Terah, and he settled. And the Bible says he settled, and then he died. And I don't want to settle and then die. Uh, He settled in a place that reminded him of a sorrowful experience of losing his son. He settled in a place called Haran. The name Haran also was the name of a son that died prematurely. And he settled in the place he was sorrowful. So we don't want to settle where we're sad. We don't want to settle in our disappointments. Disappointment will stop you moving forward. If you were disappointed last year or the year before, if disappointment has stopped you, get over your disappointment. Face it, let it go to God, talk it out, and then begin to renew your trust in God or you'll draw back and say, well, I'm going to live in the comfort zone. Cross over to the other side. So where does God want you to make some changes this year? And you notice he commands them to cross over. He commands them to depart to the other side. And the crossing over is referred to one of the other versions of this story. Stop pleasing people. That is what he said when he saw the multitude. Now, you don't want to be one whose life is shaped by the multitude. You want your life to be shaped by Jesus Christ and his call on your life. If you follow the crowd, you go where the crowd goes. God wants you to lead the crowd. You're not to be the product of your environment. You're to be God's representative to your environment. I'll say it again, you're not to be the product of where we live. You are to represent God and advance his interests in where we live. Think about that. If you just think in your heart, well, you know, I, you know, this is how we are, and this is how it is here, and this is how I am. Listen, you'll never, never have an impact. To have an impact, we must see ourselves as representatives of another kingdom called to influence people. So to do that, you've got to separate from the multitude. Now, I'm not saying physically you stop everything or whatever, although sometimes God says that. Usually what it means is in our heart and our life, we've got to separate from the crowd thinking, the crowd mentality, what everyone else is doing and say, well, I'm called to do this. You can never lead the crowd unless you separate from the values of the crowd. Young people need to separate from the values of the crowd and become quite clear in your own heart. I'm a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. I live according to his word, his plan for my life. And this is what that means. When you do that, you can influence the crowd. You'll never influence them if you go along with them and flow with them. So when he saw the multitude, resist the pressures of the crowd. Cross over into the things God has for you. So every one of us, that'll be something different this year. So start to think about it, pray about it, and then write it down what God wants you to change. Amen? You are not a product of your environment. You're an expression of the call of God on your life to Hooks Bay. Think about that. You're an expression of Christ. 
So don't reflect the culture, reflect Christ. And the only way we can reflect Christ is if he's firmly and passionately at the heart of our affections in life. We will reflect what is in our heart. And if in your heart you just follow the same values as the crowd, what are you going to see is God's going to shake up some people this year. Let's have a look and see what happens. So these are some things that Jesus said. He told them very clearly. He said, I want you to leave the crowd and I want you to cross over. I have things for you to engage yourself in. Get busy in the kingdom of God this year. Say amen. Amen. Turn to someone next to you. Say, I'm trying to get busy with God this year. Okay, then. I want to share with you four things that I believe that God is preparing for this year. Now, this is not laying out the vision for this year, what we're going to do and accomplish. This is actually prophetically speaking things which are ahead of us in the coming year or coming season. Okay, so let's read through the story and see what they are. And a certain, uh, we go down here into verse 24, 23. When he was entered into a boat, his disciples followed him. Followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm or tempest in the sea, so much the ship was covered with waves, and he was asleep. And the disciples came and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? And he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What manner is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. And when he was come to the other side, to the country of Gergesenes, there met him two who were demonized, totally controlled by demons, living in the tombs or the graveyards. So don't go down the road down there past the graveyard. Exceeding fierce, so no man might pass that way. And they cried out, saying, What are we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Are you come here to torment us before the time? And there was a good way from them, a herd of many swine feeding. And the devil said, If you cast us out, allow us to go into the herd of swine. He said, Go. And out they came and into the herd of pigs. And behold, the whole herd ran violently down the steep place in the sea and perished in the waters. Those that kept them fled and went their ways to the city and told everything what was befallen to those who were demonized. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. When they saw him, they asked him, would you please leave and go out of here? I want to share with you four things I feel in my spirit that God is going to bring before us in this coming year. And I want you to open your heart and uh, learn from this and prepare your heart to respond so you don't react when things happen. Number one, the first thing we notice is there was a storm, a great storm in the sea, verse 24. Here's the first thing I believe that God is going to give every one of us opportunities to exercise and extend our faith. We're going to look through the story and I'll show you about storms, two different kinds of storms in a moment. But this year, God is going to give every one of us opportunities to extend and exercise our faith. So if you've learned some things from God, this will be the year to stretch out, put them into practice so you can begin to grow from one level to another level. Amen? Okay, let's read through the story. Notice that there was a storm. That word storm, they use different words for storm. This is the word seismos, from where we get the word seismic. It was actually uh, like a great earthquake, a great shaking. So possibly there had been an earthquake, but the seas had risen up in a tremendous way, and uh, presumably the wind had as well. The Bible says it was great. That's the word mega. So it was a mega seismic shaking. There was a huge shaking, a huge storm that came against us. Now, we need to realize there are two types of storm come against us. I believe this year every one of us will experience some kind of storm coming against us. How about that? That's not bad news because it's an opportunity for you to grow from where you are to another level. 
Don't worry about the storms. We're not here for the cruisy life. We're here for a life that pleases God. So there are two types of storms. There's a demonic storm and there's a divine storm. They're quite different storms and they operate and work in different ways. When you're in the storm, it feels pretty bad, no matter what way you look. Waves are waves. Wind is wind. If your boat looks like it's going to sink, then you're in a storm. You've got to discern what the storm is. Let me just give you clearly the differences between them. Uh, Firstly, a divine storm or a divine shaking. I want to see in Hebrews 12, verse 25 to 29. Hebrews 12, 25 to 29. It even tells us what to do in the Bible when we're facing a storm. All you've got to do is figure out which one it is. If you can figure out which one it is, then then you can work out how to respond. Okay, then, so a divine uh, shaking or a divine storm. Here it is. Here's four characteristics of it. Number one, it sources God. It came from God. God's idea was to set it up. So God's idea to set up. Second, uh, whereas a demonic storm, the devil bought it. Divine storm, God set it up. The the demonic storm, the devil set it up. Source is different. Number two, uh, these are some of the characteristics and the differences. Number two, the uh, purpose of a divine storm is to expose and uncover things in our lives so we can grow. The purpose of a divine storm is to uncover and expose things in our lives so we can grow. So when God begins to shake you this year, then it's to uncover things. So things will come to the surface, not nice things. I know you're all nice today, dressed up in your best and just been singing love songs to Jesus and nothing. We're so sweet, butter wouldn't melt in our mouth and no doubt we'll be wonderful. But by the time we've left the property there and someone got pushed in front of you on the way out, then some other things will be coming to the surface. And so storms bring things to the surface, divine storm. Now, the purpose, of course, of a demonic storm is to distract, to destroy, and to discourage. It's to distract, destroy, and discourage. A, dev- a demonic storm will try to do those to you. It'll try to distract you from what God wants you to do by raising an opposition against you or a storm. And you think, well, what's the use of serving the Lord? You get discouraged or you get fearful. Right? And uh, the, the next thing, difference is this, a, uh, char- the characteristics of divine storm, you can't rebuke it. <laughs> oh, dear. You can't get rid of the divine storm. Who can fight God and get away? You can't get rid of the storm. Remember, uh, uh, Jonah had a divine storm, got out in the boat. He's running away from the purpose of God, and there's a storm. What is the purpose of the storm? It's not to destroy him. It's to get his attention. And it's to expose. Finally, he gets exposed. He has to put his hand up and say, I'm the one who's the cause of this trouble. I wonder how many people, everyone around you is in trouble because you are running away from what God said for you to do. And they're all in the middle of a storm waiting for you to put your hand up to God, say, I'm the one, I'm the one. And of course, God shook him up, got to the root of his problem, and then recommissioned him to go where he was supposed to go. So divine storm is to expose our resistance, rebellion, our brokenness, our troubles, things inside us that stop us becoming mature. So we need to welcome those storms because they will help us grow. Therefore, our growth, for our growth, they're quite different. But you can't stop it. You can't stop a divine storm. Whereas a demonic storm, you can stand up and you can confront it and rebuke it. In fact, you're expected to exercise your faith against demonic storms in that way. Uh, the, the next uh, characteristic which is different is uh, with a divine storm, it is an opportunity to deepen your faith. It's an opportunity to grow nearer to God and to grow more Christ-like. It's an opportunity. Great opportunity to grow more Christ-like. With a, divine storm, uh, with a demonic storm, it's an opportunity for you to exercise your faith and your authority in the spirit realm. Demonic storm is an opportunity for you to stand up and release 
God's power into the earth to change what's out there. Big difference, isn't there? I know which one I prefer. Demonic storm is much easier to handle because you can stand up and you can stop it. <laughs> the other one, you've got to do something different. So let's have a look in Hebrews chapter 12. And you notice what God says. He tells us how to deal with a divine storm or a divine shaking. He says in, verse, uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, See that you don't refuse him that speaks. In other words, it's saying, don't reject God speaking to you. Because if they didn't escape who God spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice shook the earth. But now he's promised, saying, I not only shake the earth, but I'll also shake the heaven, or I'll shake the spirit world. And he says, this signifies the removing of things that can be shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which can't be shaken may remain. So he said, the purpose of a divine storm or divine shaking is to expose things which are not in line with God's plan for our life. Maybe it's something in our character. It's an anger issue. Maybe it's a lust issue. Maybe it's a a disappointment area. Maybe it's a brokenness area. The purpose of the shaking is to get it up so you admit it's there. Then it says, now we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us hold fast grace whereby we might serve God acceptably, uh, acceptably with godly reverence and fear. Now it tells us what to do. It says... Notice what it tells us to do. Number one, we need to receive from God. We need to let go something and receive from God. When God's trying to shake your life, he wants you to let go something and to receive something. He wants you to let go something you depended on. For some people, their their whole dependencies on their their, their business or their whole dependencies on their their position in the community, their whole dependencies on some emotional crutch or or some addiction, their dependence. It's time to let it go when God shakes it and exposes it that you might receive something from Him that can't be shaken. God wants you to become a stronger person, not someone every wind that comes in, you fall over. Uh, God doesn't want you to be the kind of Christian, kind of believer, that every time there's an economic downturn, you're in the gloom. That every time there's some kind of difficulty come, you're depressed. Or like some, it gets to winter and they get depressed and heavy because it's winter. Then it gets to summer, they get hot and sweaty and lazy out on the beach because it's summer. I mean, that's not a Christian life. That's a secular, carnal, it's a, a life lived in the flesh. God wants you to be a man of the Spirit, a woman of the Spirit that lives out of spirit convictions. That out, lives out of, not whether it's convenient or inconvenient, but lives out of commitment to carry a life of God to community. You can be that kind of person. That's God's plan. What God's planned, he's able to bring about. So we notice this. Said, now let us hold fast grace. Get a strong hold of the grace of God. Now grace is forgiveness. It's the power of God that forgives you if you've blown it. No matter what mistake you've made, God's got grace for you to forgive you. Don't live with all the, the shame and reproach of your past. Receive God's grace and declare in agreement, I'm forgiven. I am made clean. And it says, let us obtain grace, uh, grace to help a time in need. So we need God's power to help us. The purpose of a divine shaking is to get you to lean on God and see what he can do. It's more than you could do. If you've been trying to get the victory over some habit all this year, last year, whatever, this is the time as God flushes it to the surface. Learn to lean on him. Lord, I can't do it. Lord, you can do it through me. Holy Ghost, you live within me. Let the rivers of God, the rivers of holiness rise up and flow through me. You can do it. See, there's something inside you that God wants to release called his kingdom, his life. Let us 
serve God. Notice the next thing we do. Number, number one, we receive. We receive from God. Number two, we get hold of grace, the grace of God. Not judgment. He's not judging us. Don't go into a big introspection. Just God's not judging. God wants you to grow up. He's a good dad. He wants us to grow up. Gives us a few challenges. Hey? Challenge is good for us. Number three, notice this. He said, we, uh, hold fast grace. Let us serve God. Wherewith we serve God acceptably. No, here's the third thing we need to do. We need to commit to serving God. The purpose of a shaking is to get you serving God better. See, why, why does God say that? Because we serve ourselves. Even when we come to church, our, our core mentality when we start off our Christian life is, what's in this for me? I give a little bit to God. What's I going to get back from God, huh? What's in this for me? You see, the whole core is central. It's actually quite selfish. You guys want to deal with selfishness, self-centeredness, self-idolatry. It's all about me. It's not all about you. It's about God and about what he wants to do. And the sooner you get a handle on that and begin to live that way, then the, the greater your life can be, the greater your capacity can be, the greater your serve can be. Let us serve God. So God wants us to commit to serving him. Serving him means we're obedient to him. We're doing what he's calling us to do. And we're serving as people. We're involved and committed to a local church. You know why you're committed to a local church? It's not because what's in this for me. It's because this is how I serve God. It's all very well for me to say, well, I'll serve God. Uh, God's way up there and out there and I can't see him. But you, oh, I can see you. And so my commitment to you is the reflection of the real commitment to God. Ah, think about that one. So when people let go of their commitments real easy and, oh, well, you know, I can't even, yeah, I can't, you know, I, 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 there's some people here can't even work out what they're doing next Saturday morning. I know, could have rung them up. And Jeff's rung them up. They can't tell you what they're doing on Sunday morning. Actually, the issue is not what they're not. The actual issue is, is can you make a commitment that you'll serve God, that you'll be in the place God wants you to be, that you'll do what God calls you to do. And not, if it's not convenient, you're gone. See, that's why God wants to shake you up. He's not going to accept that kind of nonsense. He wants to shake us up so we don't carry our lives that way. If we say we're going to be there, we're there. You know, we're there, we're there. I've come back from, I've come back from overseas to be here on a Sunday morning. I've driven the length of the island to be here on a Sunday morning. I want to be here. I'm committed to be here. I have to pray about it every week. Should you be here? Oh, think about that. What if I should be here on Sunday? Oh, Probably a good idea on the party, you know. Maybe a, no, listen, it's nothing like that. It's actually a commitment. Because I was like that. I've been like that all my Christian life. I couldn't wait to be where God was. Because there's something about being in the corporate place that's different to being alone with God. There's something corporate. That's why we want to be corporately gathered together. But, but you understand that let us serve God. You know, to serve God means to serve or do what he's involved in doing. He's involved in doing these things. Number one, he's involved in building his church. And number two, he's involved in extending his kingdom in the community. So if you're going to serve God, it means you are involved in building the church and extending the kingdom in the community in whatever gifting you've got, capacity you've got, influence you've got. So when God's shaking us, you know what he's trying to do? He wants to expose some things. This is why. Because he wants us to let go of the things that are easily shaken so we become stable, solid kingdom of heaven people carrying authority holding the grace that enables us to live this life and then actually serving god notice how it says to serve god not serve god with familiarity but to serve god with respect and godly fear because he's a consuming fire 
I won't go into all of that. We may touch on the fear of the Lord a little bit later. But your attitude to God. One thing I noticed coming from a Catholic church, I always had a fear of God. That's a healthy fear. We live in a generation who have no fear of authority because they've never been raised to respect authority. They have no fear of God, not realizing that God is not to be messed with. And while God is gracious and loving and accepting and all those things, the flip side is he's holy and a righteous God. And he's, he's a fiery God. Have a look how he deals with sin through the Bible. Have a look how he dealt with a lot of issues. That's the same God. It's not another God. You don't want to have just one picture of God and not get the full picture. The full picture is he is to be given reverence and respect. So when we come and gather together, yeah, I love the freedom, love the liberty, but let's never, never, never lose our reverence and respect for the person of God. He's a person throne in majesty he issues words that govern nations every person will give account to him including us how we need to have a respect for him so when we come to god we come with a respect and a reverence for him not just take it all easy come easy go casual that is the spirit of the world okay the spirit that changes nations is a spirit fully committed, devoted to God. See, so God is going to bring some divine shaking. So if you need a divine shaking, good on you. You know what it's going to do? It's going to bring a much better person out of you. Or you'll run away. The sad thing is, over the years, I have found so many people run away when God was just trying to help them grow up. You know, and that's why we did, that's why we took 12 weeks last year to do that whole series on offenses. You know why? Because over the years, I have seen literally hundreds of believers and the day a pastor or a leader spoke into their life on God's behalf to try and talk to shape them, they got offended and left. That's why we did that. It's not, I don't want 12 weeks about offenses. You know, I had to really pray and think that one through. But the core issue is not about you learn about offenses, is that you don't become offended when someone tries to help you grow up. That's what that was all about. This year we don't want you offended if someone talks into your life and says, but there's something you need to deal with. It's God puts a storm in your life and you won't feel good. You'll have an emotional storm. <laughs> you know, and oh, you're not, but you don't love me. Of course we love it. So we're telling you that stuff. Come on. God wants us to grow. How are we going to grow? Hey, hey, good old storm. Nothing like a good old storm. Right? Well, there's another kind of storm, demonic shaking too. And it sources the devil. And in James 4 verse 8 says, Humble yourself under the hand of God. Resist the devil. Learn to stand up for goodness sake. The devil brings an oppression over you. Don't come up in an altar call. The first thing to do is stand up. Stand up inside in the authority God has given you. Notice what Jesus did. The disciples, this is what the disciples did. These are, this is quite encouraging, this bit. They all go over to him. Oh, wake up! Wake up! Wake up! We're in a storm! And you don't care! You're sleeping! I've seen Christians not unlike that. God, where are you? You don't even love me. I'm in trouble. Now you don't seem to care. I pray and you don't answer. God's saying, leave me sleeping. Now, you know why Jesus, what Jesus said to them? Jesus told them off for their lack of faith. Why did he tell them off for their lack of faith? There they are in the middle of a storm. They woke him up. He rebuked the storm. Here's why. Because shortly before, they had had an encounter with a centurion. And the centurion, who's not even a Jew, speaking with Jesus, said to Jesus, ah, I am a man under authority. I speak and say, do this, and he does it. And he says, I can see you're a man under authority. 
Speak only the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus turned around and said to everyone, what great faith this man has got. Now notice what the man's faith was based on. He recognized authority. And he recognized that all Jesus had to do was say a word. And on the basis of the authority he was under, everything would change immediately. The power of God would come into the earth. And Jesus wanted the disciples to learn from that lesson. They could do the same thing. They were following him. They were his disciples. They were called to do what he did. You and I are called to do what he did. And so when the storm came, it was an opportunity for someone out of the whole 12 of them to stand up on the boat in Jesus' name and rebuke the thing. Give it a go. To give it a go. Not have a panic attack and try and wake up Jesus with loud shouts. So before you come up trying to wake someone up or having panic and loud shouts, have a go standing up and speaking into the storm and command the demons to back off. You're called to do that. You're authorized to do that. But to have that kind of authority, you have to come under authority. This is why God wants to shake us so we become obedient. So we see, if we recognize authority and come under authority, we are able to assert it in the world. Now, God has got demons out there waiting for you to stand up and start rebuking them. Waiting for you. He's not going to do it. He's not going to take them all away. Why didn't Jesus take them all away? Beat them at the cross? Why did he leave them in the earth? Why didn't they have a great shoveling match at the resurrection where they shovel all the devils into hell, left them all down there? Why didn't they do that? Simply, simply, very, very simple. He left them there for you and I to deal with. As an opportunity for us to assert authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Why did he want us to do that? Because Adam was God's representative. The devil defeated Adam. Jesus, as a man, defeated the devil. Now he wants us to complete this work. And so he's put the devil under our feet so we'll rise up and rebuke him and stand against demons that oppress us. Why? This, is, this will give glory to God. The devil hates it when he sees people understanding their authority and they rise up and they begin to become strong in God and begin to give the devil a licking. He hates it. You are commanded to lay hands on the sick. You're commanded to cast out demons. This is part of what we're called to do. And so, having watched Jesus do it, when a storm comes up, Jesus expects them to stand up and have a go at least. No wonder he told them off for having little faith. Because they wouldn't even have a little go. They just cowered down and said, someone's got to come through for me. Jesus, you've got to come through for me. Well, listen, this year, don't be looking for people to come through for you. Look to stand up and assert your godly authority. Amen? So that means you get your life in order. Okay, here's another. So number one, okay, opportunities to extend and grow in our faith. How about that this year? You looking forward to that already? Till it comes. And I'll have you all up the front. <laughs> now listen, come on. Remember that we told you this before it happened. <laughs> okay, it's the second one. Second one, you notice here uh, as Jesus goes into the place in Matthew chapter 8. He goes into that area. And as he goes into the area, the demons come and they say, Oh, what have we to do with you, son of God? What have you to do with you, son of God? 
So notice here, he was coming to the other side into the country of Gersonese. That's where the demonized people met him. Then they manifested and cried out. Now, here's the second thing. God's going to open new doors of opportunity. Jesus went into completely new territory. He went into a new area, a part of the land of Canaan. This year, God is going to open up some doors of opportunity. Doors of opportunity. You've just got to be on the edge to pick them and see them when they come. If you're connected with the Lord and you're expecting this to happen, I believe some of you are going to see opportunities for your marriage to change, opportunities for breakthrough in your family, opportunities in your business, maybe start another business, extend your business, open another door, opportunities in finance to increase, enlarge. There will be opportunities, opportunities for evangelism and witnessing, opportunities for us in touching the community. God is going to open doors of opportunity. Now, Here's the thing you have to recognize about doors of opportunity. Notice Jesus went to a place, but there was a storm before there was a door. And often we go through times where there's a bit of a storm in our life, and the other side of it, God's got a great opportunity about to open up. That's why the storm comes. This was a demonic storm, and it, was, it, was, it left when Jesus rebuked it. Now, you see, the other side of the demonic storm is an opportunity. That's why he got the demonic storm. The devil's trying to put you off and say, it's too hard. I, I don't think I'll do that. I had a good idea, but I just seemed too hard. Everyone was against it. No one agreed with me. Come out from the multitude, cross to the other side. Begin to assert your faith. And notice it now. Here's three, let me give you three keys about opportunity. Number one, opportunities come to those who pray. You must pray. There has to be prayer. In Colossians 4, 3, Paul said, pray that an effectual door of opportunity might be opened up to me. If we want doors of opportunity, pray for them to open. Stretch your faith. Ask God to open doorways in some areas of your life. Second thing about doors of opportunity is the Holy Ghost opens them. You don't have to manipulate. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 12, a door, a great door, an effectual door was opened to me by the Lord. So you don't have to strive and struggle and engineer. God is wanting to open doorways for you. Now that means he gives you connection to people who you would never have got connected with before. A lot of people spend a lot of time struggling, trying to meet the right people, connect to the right things. God can open the doorways for you. He can make the opportunities just fall literally into your lap. But you've got to be praying for that and looking for the Holy Spirit to show you what are His opportunities. I think it's exciting. I look at last year and see how God just opened the door of opportunity for Doug. And, I, and it's just like the Holy Ghost opened it. It's just an amazing miracle how God opened the door. And the third thing about the, the doorways of opportunities, there's always adversaries. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9, Paul said, A great door and effectual is open to me, but there are many adversaries. So God is wanting to open doors of opportunity for every person this year. Will you grow? Now, door of opportunity means you have an opportunity to grow and expand and increase and enlarge in some area. Now, just spend some time praying. Ask the Lord. Look at the dreams in your heart. What dreams and plans do you have for this year? Write them down. Then begin to pray over God that God would give you opportunity to grow and increase and expand. Here's the third thing that God will do this year. In, uh, also found in Matthew, the demons cried out and they said, Oh, what have we to do with you, Jesus? Son of God, have you come to torment us? Here's the third thing I believe that God is going to do is that there will be an emerging authority. There'll be a recognition of spiritual authority in many people. You've got to understand that the demons can't be fooled. They know what you're living like and they know where you are on the inside. When they saw Jesus, Now, why did they do that? No one else did that. The demon saw a spiritual authority that he carried. It's visible, it's tangible, it's felt when people have a spiritual authority. And Jesus carried that in his life. Now, I believe that 
Well, often what happens to church people are worried about a position or what people think of them or being up on the platform, all kinds of wrong kinds of things. Listen, what God's wanting you to do is to grow in stature, to grow up. As you grow up, you come into a greater stature and a greater authority. Authority is, let me, let me give you something. Authority comes from a source, comes from God. Secondly, it's related to responsibility. So if we want to grow in authority, we must grow in our character and our responsibility. Okay? If you want to grow in authority, you have to grow in a sense of responsibility to the call of God and to serving God. And then authority increases according to the responsibility you've got. You're never just going to hop to a great level of authority in the spirit. So suddenly everyone you lay hands on are going to get healed. No, you grow little by little by little by little. I've been working on myself for two years to see miracles come up. See, authority grows systematically, grows steadily from level to level. And this year, many people are going to emerge. In the Bible, it's interesting, you find, now get this, you find the Bible, someone like John the Baptist, out in the middle of nowhere, suddenly emerges and carries tremendous authority. Elijah suddenly emerges carrying tremendous authority. Why? Because God had been preparing them before. So whatever God has been preparing you for, you need to begin to stand up and stretch out in it this year, and demons will recognize that authority that you carry. In Acts 4 verse 13, it says the people perceived the disciples of being with Jesus. They recognized they had authority. Here's the last one. And uh, so this, so, so number one, I believe going to be new opportunities to extend our faith in the coming year because of storms and things that come up. New doors of opportunity open for us. Thirdly, a recognition of spiritual authority, which means God opens ways for you. See, uh, very thing we need, and Paul prayed for in Ephesians 1, he prayed that we'd have revelation of how great the power of God is in us. A revelation of our call to make a difference. Friend, you can make a difference, but you've got to believe you can make a difference. You've got to know you're called of God. So when you carry yourself like an ambassador of God and speak like an ambassador of God, we're not a victim, we're ambassadors of a kingdom. We need to speak and act that way. Be surprised just how powerful it can affect people. And the last one is this, and that is there will be a release of, of supernatural power. I believe it's going to be an increase of anointing and power on people's lives this year. Notice what happened. It said there were two things happened there. The devils were sort of saying, if you can cast us out, if you're going to cast us out, allow us to go in the herd of pigs. And of course, there were two things that happened. Number one, the, man, the two men were mightily delivered. This is the first thing I believe we're going to start to see. You're going to see breakthroughs in people from a demonic oppression and things which have been over their life that have held them back and stopped their potential. We need to believe that we'll see people get breakthroughs in their life this year to come to another level. Those men were totally delivered by the supernatural power of God. They got a miracle that shifted them. Now listen, it took a miracle to get you saved. Someone else could get saved just by the same kind of miracle. But you've got to believe for it. You've got to believe for the power of God to transform people that you believe up to this point. Well, they're too hard. They're too difficult. They're not too hard. They're not too difficult. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. So maybe last year, some of the people you know were terribly demented. This year, believe for them to get a breakthrough. Second thing that happened was in one day, the finances of the community were overturned. The whole of that region there was involved in pig farming. That means they had a huge pig industry. There were a lot of pigs in that area. Pigs were on clean animals. They were forbidden by the people of God to keep them. Uh, so they were a defilement out of the world system of finance. And so what you find happens is in one day, Jesus, the power of God literally 
broke. Imagine a couple of thousand pigs, what that means economically to poor people. Can you imagine what happened financially in that community as a result of those pigs being killed? In one day, the finances of that community were overturned. And so, now get this, when, now when what God overturns is he unturns ungodly use of finances so that people who are committed to godly use of finance have fresh opportunities. Think about that. This year there'll be fresh opportunities for people, but you've got to make sure that you're not defiled by greed and coveting, that you become a giver to the kingdom of God so you can be positioned for new opportunities that come. I was kind of interested to uh, read recently, there was a man, Andy was telling me about a man uh, in India, and uh, he tried to get banking finance for micro enterprises, small enterprises, people just getting little wee tiny businesses, but they got no, they got no equity, they got nothing to back it up, and the banks wouldn't back it. And so he did it himself, set up his own bank to start it off. It is now the biggest bank in India. Isn't this interesting? And what he did was he came up with ideas that were contrary to the whole economic system. And God has blessed it because it's in the heart of God to meet the needs of poor people and to help them become independent financially. So we're going to let, so what I see happening is God going to do some financial shaking. If you've got your things, money, and, and there's, there's problems of bondage around money, you'll get a good shake this year. But if your heart is to give to the kingdom of God, your heart is to become a steward of the things of God, God is going to open great opportunities. You'll seize the moment and you'll find doors open up before you. But you have to believe God for them. Believe God for them. Four things. Opportunities to extend our faith. That's for you this year. Opportunities to extend our faith. That's a good thing to have happen. Isn't that right? Opportunities to extend our faith and to grow. Oh, we're looking forward to that. Opportunities. Eh? New doors of opportunity open up to us. New doors of opportunity. So begin to think about that. I've already started to see some open up. Just amazing new doorways have been opened up. Uh, just amazing, I can say. And you'll hear testimonies through the year. People had doorways open up. Number three, recognition of your stature in Christ. In other words, some people are going to emerge in this coming year, and you'll suddenly see, man, they've been really, they grew last year. Now they're ready to do something this year and, uh, and to exercise their authority in Christ. The fourth thing there'll be will be a release of increasing power. So I'm believing for increasing miracles, increasing breakthroughs, and increasing financial enlargement in people's lives. Are you believing for something this year? Why don't we believe together that God, who is a great and an awesome God, will enlarge us in this coming year? Can you say amen to that? Why don't we just lift our hands to the Lord, just where we are right now. Lift our hands to the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are moving us forward as a church. You're moving us forward individually. You're moving us forward corporately. Lord, we welcome opportunities to exercise our faith. We ask, Lord, that whatever in our life needs to be removed, you'll expose and remove it, that we become established strong in our faith and grace and serving God. Father, we pray that whatever storms come, you'll give us the discernment to know what they are and the authority to stand up and rebuke those that come from the devil. Father, we thank you for new doors opening up to us this year in every area of our life, new opportunities, new doors into our community, into people's lives. Lord, we thank you for increasing spiritual authority and stature, a growth and ability in prayer to touch and release the power of God. We thank you for miracles in this coming year, a year of power released in an increasing dimension. Lord, we thank you for these things ahead of time. We give you the honor and the glory. Just while our eyes are closed and heads about, one last question. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, please everyone just put our hands down. If you don't know Jesus Christ, 
the greatest step of enlargement that would change your life would be to receive Jesus Christ. Friend, you're cut off from God because of sin, separated from the God who loved you and created you. But right now, you have an opportunity to receive Christ and to change. That could be yours, but you need to make a decision. Here's the decision. I need to recognize my life is not what it could be because sin, ugly things work in my heart. I'm separated from God. I need to recognize that the, the result of that separation is I, I'm, there's a deadness in me. I, I'm cut off from God's life. And this is not just now, it's forever. You need The third thing you need to recognize is that Jesus made a way for you to have that relationship with God by dying on the cross and representing you. He requires of you this thing, that you respond to him personally. To everyone who received him, who believed on him. That means committed their life to him. He gave them power to become a child of God. If that's you today, you need to become a Christian today. You feel God pulling on your heart. And you say, this is my day. I'm going to become a Christian. Please just raise your hand quickly right now. Just raise your hand. Is there any person here that wants to become a Christian today? You feel that something something's stirred me today. I feel challenged in my life. I need to respond to Christ. Quickly put your hand up so I can see. Just put your hand up so I can see. I want to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus. Is there anyone here? Anyone here ready to receive Jesus today? Anyone? All right, let's just close our eyes and bow our heads. Father, we just thank you today for the new opportunities of 2006. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a clap, shall we? God bless you. Parents, come pick up your kids right now. And we're going to have a great day today, great week this week, great year this year. Say amen. Amen. Take someone home for lunch. Go greet a few people afterwards. Praise the Lord. God bless you.